Welcome to TA1, everything you always wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. Uh, welcome to the episode. A um, little bit different this week. The guest is Chris Radcliffe, photographer extraordinaire, to coin a phrase. Uh, Chris has shot a lot of checkpoint tracker races on the East Coast. Um, uh, Cowboy Tough last year, that's where I met him. Been to Abu Dhabi, shot that race once, and a couple of times down to the Patagonia adventure race. So he's got some interesting stories. We talk a little bit about uh, what we like and what we don't like about racers. <laughs> How we like y'all, but there's some things that are a little unnerving. So uh, hope you enjoy the episode. There will be a short intermission in the middle. Um, I was recording this at my parents' house in town, and my mom left, and her little dog, Tucker, started barking upstairs, and then Chris's dog could hear Tucker barking, and then he started barking, and then that made Tucker bark, so we had to stop for a minute to take care of the dogs, but uh, we got back on track shortly after that. Uh, Once again this week, the uh, TA1 podcast is sponsored by the Appalachian Mountain Club, Um, They are the hosts of uh, Untamed New England this year in their 100-mile wilderness setting. This is in the highlands of Maine. It's a great place with trails, mountains, water, lots of forests. Lots of forests you can't hardly get through, as the races will find. Um, Probably going to be, I'm looking forward to it as a visual point of view, probably going to be one of the most dramatic settings for any adventure race. so if you're not racing but you want to go check it out, you can go to uh, outdoors.org for details on the 100-mile wilderness and other destinations that uh, AMC manages um, everywhere from New Jersey to Maine. And that's right, New Jersey has wilderness. Um, so go to outdoors.org, find out everything you want to know about the Appalachian Mountain Club, and uh, go to Untamed New England for the race. I think I think they're full. Too bad for you. Well, you can start planning for next year. So, um, here we go with uh, Chris Radcliffe. I should say uh, there'll be links in the show notes to, I think there's a couple of things we talk about and Chris's website. So, um, if you need a really good photographer, find him. If you need a okay photographer, video guy, find me. And um, thanks for listening. So. Uh, and hopefully I'm not interrupted. We're not interrupted by my dog. Oh, you know, we've yeah, had dogs and birds. birds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you at your parents' house? Or yeah. Your... Yeah. I come here just because it's, I get on there on the cable, cable internet instead of Wi-Fi or uh, yeah. cellular. So it works a little better. But, you know, we've had birds in the podcast and dogs. So, yeah, he's a little whiny right now. I've, <laughs> I had to put him up because 
he uh, <clears throat> he's still a young guy, and if I don't pay like super close attention to him when I'm when I'm near him, uh, he'll like go chew on a baseboard or something. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> so just yep, yeah, like a little kid wants some attention, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we had the first one that Paulette and I did. You know, we had the birds sitting with us, mm-hmm. and Jimmy laughs a lot, the big bird, but he sounds mm-hmm. exactly like Paulette, so nobody That's- knew it. But then somebody sent me an email and said, there's this really screechy noise about 40 minutes into the podcast. What is it? So I went and listened to it, and it was Stevie screaming in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're used to that. So, okay, going good. Yeah, it looks like everything's going good. You know, the first podcast I did with Kyle Peter, I, forget, I didn't record the audio. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, and then I did another one. You know Mark Latanzi? Yeah, I know Mark. I did one with him, and I was back backing it up before I did any work on it, and we had a power outage, just like a you know like a ten second yeah. thing. It it took it it just erased it and everything on the external hard drive that I was working on. Whoa! So, yeah, fortunately it was it was like the backup backup hard drive, so it it. Did you I did. still have it in in original form? No, because I I mean I literally was taking the original file and backing it up before I did anything. So, so we're gonna redo it. So, oh, that sucks. Yeah, those two guys would be good for this podcast for sure. Yeah, Mark was was more yeah, so than really than me. good. So we're gonna redo it next when he gets back from Spain. So, um, yeah, I saw he posted on Facebook the other day. A, like a picture, I guess, of a group ride somewhere there. Yeah, so must must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Get to be smart like that. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, so you know how I knew we were going to get along. We we met at uh, for people that don't know at Cowboy Tough last year in Wyoming. Right. Uh, um, Chris flew out, and I think you kind of didn't think you knew where Wyoming was or how to go. So you're like, "Can I follow you around?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So. We were like day or two in, and I was riding with you for some reason, and we bonded over the fact. Probably because I had a rental. Yeah, I think so. And we were going, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like something we didn't need to take both vehicles to right. where we were going. And, and uh, there were three things, and I can't remember the third. The first one is I hate people that use their overhand grip on their cameras. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second thing, and I think. I started it and you finished it was people that shoot iPhone videos and hold them vertically. Vertical, yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, I'll get a, I'll get along with this guy. <laughs> so, um guess I hate doing introductions and stuff, but I'll do a little before, but sure. um Chris is is a really good photographer. So, um that's Kind of what we're going to be talking about, some of the races he's done and where he's been. Oh, see, I have a dog with me now. I have my mom's little dog. <laughs> so um, how, did you get, how did you get started in photography? Um, I started in college um, my freshman year. I bought a camera that previous year <clears throat> when I graduated, sorry, from high school with my graduation money. I spent like every penny on a uh, Pentax, I think it's ZX. 50 or 70 or something like that and um i came to college and started shooting pictures and that was back when we were do, still doing you know film celluloid film so um i learned in film and then switched to nikon shortly after 
I uh, started shooting for the university I was attending, Eastern Kentucky University, and I was working for the university photographer there for a couple of years. And when he left, I took over the role, and it really wasn't based on portfolio, although I, I had relevant images, you know, to apply for that position because yeah. I'd been shooting there. But um, it was really, I think the president was comfortable with me hanging out with her at the time and um, knew that I could get along well with with all different kinds of people. And I think that was probably that my biggest selling point. And I don't think they thought I'd be there for very long. I ended up staying nearly 10 years and uh, left this past June to just pursue and grow some things on my, on my own terms. It wasn't, you know, I didn't leave and with, um, you know, any, um, you know, bad memories or whatever of, of the university. I loved my job, loved every second I'd, I'd spent there, but there's really no, there was no growth potential there. So I, I left just to try to pursue some things that I always got to watch other people do from the sideline. So that's where I'm at right now. So I'm just a few, well, eight or so months into it and it's going okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, um, well, and how did you get started with adventure racing then shooting that? Cause you do, well, you've done a lot of races back <clears throat> East, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm in Kentucky, so I shoot a lot in West Virginia and Virginia, um, and Kentucky a little, mm. um, but I, you know, I, I watched some of the eco challenge stuff and, um, I've seen some Primal Quest stuff back, you know, when it was first getting going, some of the broadcasts, and I just thought it was completely interesting. I like variety. I like a whole lot of variety. I like things to change uh, rapidly and consistently, Yeah. Um, and I kind of like being thrown off balance, and so I just thought this was a really cool thing, and I grew up as a baseball player, and in Kentucky, there, I mean, Kentucky's an outdoorsy state, but not like some other states, you know, like where you're living and, uh, you know, places like Wyoming. I mean, there's not like a ton of skiing. I mean, it's just, uh, it's an outdoorsy in the sense of uh, being in communication with the earth sort of deal. Okay. Um, but outdoor sports aren't, they are now, but they weren't extremely popular where I grew up in Louisville. Um, so I played baseball and basketball and football and all the mainstream stuff. And I just saw, I just didn't know much about mountain biking and trail running and, orienteering and all this stuff. I kind of was a repressed boy scout, I guess. <laughs> um, so I, anyway, I watched this stuff on TV, thought it was cool and just followed it away. I'd love to do that type of thing. Had a strong interest in photography. I was like, dude, I'd love to be a cameraman. You know, I want to be the guy that follows these people around. Yeah. Um, and then I got involved in some adventure sports in college and some friends of mine, uh, we entered an Odyssey adventure racing race in Kentucky, Carter Caves. That's actually where I first met Mark Latanzi and where I got like my very first really cool adventure racing picture that got me hooked on it. Um, I called or I emailed Odyssey, Susanna Griever, and, and said that uh, my two buddies, I was a university photographer at Eastern at the time, uh, were racing this event and we wanted to do a little young alumni story on them. And she uh, allowed me to come and photograph. And Will Ramos, I think, couldn't make it to Kentucky at the time. So um, I shot for the organization as well. Just had a blast. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And all these people were super nice, um, really healthy. They all seemed very successful, well-educated. And it, so it was, a, it was a subculture. I just didn't, I was very surprised to meet. I'm not surprised, but, you know, by those facets of that group. It was just really 
odd to see all these people in one place at one time doing something they really were passionate about. Uh, you know, I, I was young. I didn't get out much then. So it was um, a very eye-opening experience. Um, and that's what got me hooked. I came, I came up through Odyssey. I shot a lot of their races over the years. And they really just kind of let me do what I wanted. Yeah, yeah it's the, the, the best way to do it. I mean, it, to me, it's... You know, it's the the family atmosphere. Every you know, everybody knows everybody, and and you get into that, and you show up at the race, and you see all the people that you haven't seen for a while. So, yeah, a lot of hugs and high fives, and you know, people know family names by now, wives and siblings and children. And my son is my son Connor is seven, and I certainly want to bring him up in that environment consistently. I just you know, I think they're. By and large, yeah. the adventure racing community is a very inspiring group of people. Yeah. So um, you mentioned mentioned Connor. You let me see if I remember the story, but you basically find something at every race, right? And bring back. Oh to yeah. Him? Yeah yeah so. yeah. Usually it's a rock or something like that, um, and I'll shoot it. Um, kind of where it is before yeah. I pick it up and its surroundings kind of as 360 degrees as I have time for, you know, <laughs> maybe yeah. like on the move and see something really cool. Uh, so I'll, I'll shoot it where it lays and lies and then I'll, I'll take a couple pictures to, to give Connor, um, an understanding of its vantage point on life. And then I'll just tuck it away and steal yeah. it away from its home. <laughs> so yeah. That, I don't know. But, um, you know, I've brought back, and this is probably illegal, like little bones from Patagonia from, like, beaver and stuff. You know, I don't know what the rules are on that, but, like, a, I found a vertebrae my first year there, and I thought it was cool, so I stuck it away and brought it back home. I hope I don't get arrested. For I don't think I don't, you. I don't know what the deal is <laughs> with that stuff. I think I, you're— I haven't taken anything, as far as I know, that's protected. Yeah. You know, I chisel away at rocks or carve things out. If it's just a little pebble laying there that's pretty, I'll pick it up. Hey, Paul, that brought a dog home from, from Chile. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you're okay with the bone. <laughs> I forgot about that. <clears throat> you guys had a, an interesting story about that, too, with the quarantine and the, and the negotiating to try to get the dog on the flight, right? Yeah, yeah, the little ug- ugly American. Oh, there's the dog. <laughs> so um, so you weren't, you weren't really a an outdoor person before you started, started shooting. Not races. really. I mean, I, you know, I was a camper, yeah. you know, and, a, and a, an occasional recreational climber. I repelled a lot. Yeah. I like to, um, get on something high and zip down it on the line. Uh, but that other than learning the knots to tie is kind of an E and I could be really misspeaking here, but it's kind of an easy entry. At least it was for me into like rock sports. You know what I mean? Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get a lot of times people are like, well, why don't, why don't you race? You're out here. And and my go-to answer is I don't like water that much, but (laughs) do you get, get the same thing? People are like, why aren't you racing? And, and are you interested in racing or? Yeah. You Absolutely. You know, I, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a poser at the moment yeah. in some ways. Welcome and, to the club. Yeah. And so I feel a, a really strong guilt about that. And, and like a, it, it like hurts my ego, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And yeah. so I, I would like to 
to learn some more, train some, and race. My my problem has had been in my previous occupation that a lot of nights and weekends were spoken for, which would which also would double as like training opportunities. Yeah. Right. So when yeah. I had to when I have an assignment at, at night or on a weekend, that also counts off my personal time from my yeah. family in in a, a lot of ways. So, um, you know, there you can make every excuse you can think of to provide reasons why I don't yeah. bike as much as I should or run as much as I should, yada, yada. But I stay in the gym pretty consistently. Um, so I'm in, I'm always decently fit. Um, there's a different level of fitness yeah. you need for adventure racing. Um, and a lot of that is just knowledge, you know, wisdom of, of knowing what your body is capable of, your limits and how many calories you need and what kinds of food you can ingest in a very quick way that doesn't make you sick, but gives you the energy, you know, um, it's, and that comes with experience that comes with messing up. And so I've fortunately in my, in my scenario on yours too, um, I've been able to see others mistakes and Mm -hmm. I've, you know, I think I've retained a lot of that, but, um, you know, eventually I do want to race and sooner than later. And, you know, I like, you know, when I do, when I did Patagonia a few times, a couple of times and I've, you know, I trained myself for each of those expeditions, not knowing what I was getting into. And then more specifically the last time I went and, um, and still I did some things. I think I focused on some things I shouldn't have and, you know, kind of slacked off on things I really needed to hit hard, uh, in the gym and, you know, in the woods. But, um, you know, it's, I like to train for my job. You know, I like, like in during basketball season, for example, when I shoot a lot of I shoot a lot of basketball, yeah. um, I do a lot of shoulder work. I know it sounds funny, but I do a lot of shoulder work and I do a lot of um, I do a lot more pull ups because I keep my camera either a three hundred millimeter two eight or a seventy uh, to two hundred two eight uh, raised up constantly, and my neck's kind of at an angle, uh-huh. so I my my traps get really jacked up if I don't pay proper attention to them during you know, between the months of November and March. Um, so, you know, I, but I like that and maybe do you need that? Probably not completely, but I just, I like to know that I'm working in a holistic sort of way toward, um, an end product. Yeah. I, I know what you, I know what you mean. You, you just feel good. That's what I tell people. I'm not, I'm only fit for doing one thing right now. And that's, you know, carrying a pack with a whole bunch of gear for a really long time but yeah that's me too but i'm good at it (laughs) right i um i i'm not naturally inclined at endurance man like i i came up as a baseball player that's what i thought i was going to do for my whole life um you know baseball players don't run a ton no and you know we're focused on uh quick twitch reflexes and bursts of strength and speed uh and that's that's really where i'm physically uh innately good is uh quick bursts yeah. And so I've had to like my body has had to unlearn what it's naturally good at and try to relearn some endurance stuff. And I've read a lot and I'm still reading some more. And, you know, I'm just trying it out. Um, but I do you know, I have this ambition and it's a big one um, and and probably nearly impossible. But I would like to train for and participate into as great a degree as I can yeah. and document you know, the most extreme and human endurance events on the planet. And I don't really have a definite timeline for that, but I'd like to find some partners for it. And, um, there's, there's books on it. I think I can't remember the name of it. I have a real bad memory. Um, (laughs) it's like the 50 most extreme races. I don't know what it's called, but something like that. And, uh, it's good. 
Um, I, I want that. I want to develop something like that. I don't know who'd be interested in it other than me. You know, it's just an ambition for my life. But, you know, from one person's perspective, you know, like a body of work, you know, that's what I would like to offer the adventure community by the end of my uh, time spent in that community. Yeah. So, you know, I've done a couple. I've I've done Patagonia twice and um, shot it (laughs) twice. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty extreme event for sure. So I've got at least one checked off. Yeah, I know. I've been, uh, I was pretty jealous when I, when you got to go, because I'd been talking with him for a couple of years about trying to do something. So how did that come about? Man, just random. I <laughs> everything's random. I just kind of go with the wind, in, in a lot of cases, and it, hey, it that's works adventure out racing. Yeah, um, I'm okay at going with the flow. So I became aware of it a couple of years before I got there. Um, I can't exactly remember how, but um, one one afternoon, I was leaving work at Easter, and I it was shutting all my stuff down. I backed everything up for the day. It was like 5.15. I needed to go pick up Connor by 5.30. And I got on Facebook just to check check my peoples out. And there was an ad on the side of Facebook that said like a photo con- adventure photo contest mm-hmm. yeah. uh, by um, – oh, geez. I think it was National Geographic Adventure UK maybe. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. And, and um, it was for the Patagonian Expedition Race. And if the winner would get, a, would, would get to come and cover it. And I was like, holy crap, that's cool. So – I entered some images, some images I shot in Abu Dhabi uh, of the Abu Dhabi Adventure Challenge. That was my first international race, and that was a mind-blowing experience. It was that place is beautiful, um, and the event was was um, really cool. I mean, there's some really uh, elite athletes in that genre there, so that was really cool. But anyway, so I had some good shots from there uh, that maybe not everybody had, and I had some um, some good shots from. The Odyssey uh, Endorphin Fix, yeah, it was the Endorphin Fix, that their exhibition race from 2010. It was just this massively muddy and wet and snowy and cold, frozen race. It was absolutely miserable for the athletes and and for me too, but like in the in the best way. Yeah, you know that's. I, mean? I always <laughs> think about that. Yeah, miserable uh, weather, good pictures. Yes, exactly. I I I hate it if it's if it's sunny and beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't hate it, but it this there's no uh there's no intrigue. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, I got some good images from that one and then I, I that's when I started my adventure racer post race portrait series was that as at at that event that yeah. year. Yeah. Um which got me some traction, which got actually got me to Abu Dhabi because it was picked up by Checkpoint Tracker, who I've done a lot of work for too and uh he had a free entry uh Paul Angel to Abu Dhabi on the media spot. He gave it to me if I allowed him to use those pictures. And I was like, heck yeah. yeah so yeah. anyway, uh, entered that contest and I came in third. And uh, I, I, was, I found out, I think by um, on Twitter, so people were like, hey, congratulations on your, uh, on your <laughs> winning that contest or something. I thought I'd won it. And I was turning to Natalie and I was like, Natalie, I'm going to Patagonia. And uh, Natalie's my baby mama, for those who don't know me. Um, she's at work right now. She'd be pissed if she heard me say that. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you I'll cut that out, but I won't. Don't. It's fine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I don't believe too much in censorship. No. So we went to 
uh, or I, I went on the website and found out that I'd come in third, yeah. which was still cool. You know, I got a pocket knife and I was excited as hell to get that. Yeah. And, but what that did for me was it gave me contacts because the people from Nomadis International Group uh, had to email me and tell me that I'd won. Or, you know, that I placed third. Yeah. So now I had I had their contact information saved. And, of course, my immediate response was, I want to make it down there somehow. And so I just say hello periodically throughout yeah. that next year. And, man, I lobbied like hell to get a spot on the media team that year, that next year. And email after email and resumes and portfolios. And, I mean, I redid my website based around trying to get to this event yeah and uh it was last minute and they didn't know if they were going to have a spot or money to do it and then uh finally checkpoint tracker threw in breed magazine threw in and you know i bought a ticket and was gone like a week and a half later yeah i remember yeah. it was a kind of a last minute thing for it's, you yeah that's all that stuff's always last minute you yeah. know there's yeah. um money's kind of hard to come by in those larger international yeah. events yeah and, yeah, yeah. Uh, media is important, but you know safety and logistics are obviously way more important. You know for the athletes, and so you got to have enough money to ensure all that stuff, all those needs are met, and enough in reserve for catastrophes or whatever. You know the contingency plans. Yeah, I know. I was talking with Pete, and he's like, "We'd really like you to come down for a month and stay and help with yeah. the edit and and." You know, we got a house. We got some people you can stay with. Find your own way down here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and take a month off work. And yeah. And the weird thing is, is it's like you really, you really you think really about it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like God, I could do that. I could totally do that. But yeah. then you forget you have this whole other side to your life. Yeah. You know? the, it's yeah. called the real world, and it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what was it? What that was place is beautiful down yeah, there? Yeah. What was so? What year did you go the first time? Uh, 2012, okay. and then, and then in 2013, yeah. and then I also shot their first um, international marathon yeah. in 2012. Yeah, so I so for in tw- inside of 12 months, I was there three times. Not too bad, Paulette. Paulette is always like, we just we just need to go, you know, take a month and go or go to yeah. New Zealand. And the thing is, and it's kind of what I like about the community is, we could go down there and have, you know. We could stay for a month with people, right? Or, or yeah. New Zealand, or Australia, or or Eastern Kentucky, or <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, well, so, well, which okay, twelve. What walk me through that year? Because I, I think that was the last year Paulette went. But which course was that? And just oh, uh, that was Tierra de Fuego. Okay, okay. yeah. So uh, yeah, and that was man, that was a an eye opening physical experience too. That <laughs> that first hike, it was supposed to be easy. You know, you drop. If if anybody's listening to this podcast, they probably have some knowledge of adventure racing. I can't imagine yeah. that they would be interested otherwise. But um, so you dropped off, and then you kind of got to make it to another point, or you're you're effed, so to speak. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'm with uh, a few Chileans, some great people. I got a um, kind of a personal guide. And then there's another um, uh, event photographer who is <clears throat> pretty much a staple down there named Walter. Um, and he uh, actually resembled my father a bit, which was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, I really got to like that guy and um, my guide, Harold. And 
So I speak a tiny bit of Spanish. I can understand it. It's hard for me to reply. Okay. Um, it takes me like 30 minutes, kind of like I'm talking to you now. I'm not so good at English either. Yeah. Um, so they were trying to communicate to me that this, play, this, this hike was fairly short and not too hard. Uh, and we had a GPS unit, so all was going to be good. But um, the Jeep, the satellites down there are few, and the yeah. strength that you know the of the communication is not so good. I think we ended up making um, three circles. We crossed the same point in the stream at least twice, and uh, dude, we hiked up and over so many like mountain uh, type structures. Not huge down there, but you know they're it's pretty steep and yeah. uh, treacherous. You know the the terrain. Um, and man, like I didn't hydrate enough. Like I barely, I remember when we started walking, it was like supposed to be three or five miles. And I was like, Oh, no big deal. You know, like I do this, you know, every day of the week. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I mean, I remember thinking that really cinching my shoulder straps down. I was kind of, I didn't fill up my Nalgene completely and we take off, you know, I didn't really put enough fuel in my body as far as food goes. And, um, Hours later, I'm like, Jesus, this is the longest five miles I've ever been on. And uh, so I think we ended up going about between 12 and 14 that day. And again, that's not huge either. But in that in that environment, it's kind yeah. of enormous. I mean, you're really moving over some big stuff. Yeah, well, you're up and down and, and yeah. there's no trail. I no, mean, you know, it's not like I don't think maybe that's the one thing people don't get is like you're. You're literally in, I mean, as far away from anything as you can get. And you're, you're just yeah, walking every step, through there. Yeah. Every step is labored. I mean, yeah. every step is like, you got to put your whole body into that movement. Yeah. And I started locking up. I was cramping. I'd never been, I'd never put my body in that kind of condition yeah. position before, you know? So it was just like, holy crap. I don't know if I can make it. I mean, I was like lifting, like swinging my thighs with my hands, you know, like picking up behind my knee. And but yeah. like, I was like, what the, sh-? you know, it really blew my mind. Um, <clears throat> so when we finally made it to the checkpoint that night, which was like to, um, to add a cherry to the top was like this, like, I swear it was like in a 75 degree incline, you know, like up this scree to the yeah. top of this, um, near the, the end of the, it was like right around this glacial lake. And it was just massively beautiful, yeah. man. And, and I was met there with, uh, a checkpoint crew that had some bourbon. I sipped on some bourbon. I drank some, uh, like a recovery drink and got in my tent, man, and did not get up until the next morning. And it was daylight when we got there. Like, I mean, the sun was up, but it's setting. Yeah. And, uh, I cramped, like I, my toes would cramp up and I'd sit up to try to straighten my toes out and my abs would cramp up. So I'd throw my back, my body straight again. And then my back would cramp up. It was miserable. I laid there and shook and cramped all night long Yeah, just because I didn't feel myself. I just, no, I, but then the next day I was fine and I was fine the rest of the time. It's like just that I had that one little thing. So, yeah, I mean, and yeah, and you'd go back and do it again in a second. Yeah, I would. <laughs> so, so then, then thirteen was the ice, the the glacier. Yeah, thir- yeah, thirteen. We um, we got on Tyndall Glacier, uh, part of the Southern Patagonia ice field, and that was um, part of or on the outskirts of Torres del Paine National Park, which is 
kind of the main Patagonian <laughs> park. I mean, that's like if you Google images of it, that's w- what you see generally. Um, and that was, you know, just a, a beautiful spot. And I had no business being there either. <laughs> um, but there I was. And I, I went with, um, I think, it, dude, I wasn't supposed to. I wasn't going to do the glacier. Like I came because I wanted to do the glacier, yeah. right? And then they were like, you've never been on a glacier before? I was like, no, dude, I'm from Kentucky. I've never been on a glacier before. <laughs> Ice goes then, in your bourbon, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so <laughs> they were like, you can't go on a glacier. And I, they asked me, do I have any crampons? And I said, no, I got some yak tracks. <laughs> and we're getting laughed out of the room. And, you know, you just don't know this shit until you, yeah. until you are there. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so I went to the mall with Thomas Bastis from Team NorCal uh, who helped me get there and anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Marmot and NorCal helped me get there in 2013. Uh, so I went to this mall in, in uh, Punta Arenas and bought my crampons. Like Thomas helped me buy, pick them out and buy them. And they weren't necessarily for trail running shoes, like the Catulas that they had that were super dope. Yeah. Uh, but I got some camp crampons. They're really nice, um, extremely rigid, um, but, you know, beefy metal claws. And I was, you know, they should keep me stuck to the glacier. So I threw my pack and I wasn't supposed to leave for a couple of days. And uh, Tony Hoare was going to kind of show me how to walk, right, yeah. with crampons mm-hmm. before we left. We get back from the store that day and find out there's a bus and Tony and I are leaving in 30 minutes. So I've got to pack, repack all my crap. First, I got to walk like a mile and a half to my hostel, bring all that crap back. Yeah. And then leave, ditch my clothes at the Nomadis headquarters. And, you know, I'm like rearranging all my luggage, all my camera gear. And I'm trying, I, I, I packed like the racers this time with the 12 hour uh, bags, you know, yeah. of, of food and calories. Yeah. And I, some tips I got from Thomas. And man, that was key. I mean, that was absolutely key. I wanted to train and pack, prepare as much as close to an adventure racer as I could. And so I got pretty close at this race. Next year or another you know, another time, my next expedition, I'll do better. But um, anyhow, I'm trying to, like, figure out what food I'm going to take and how I'm going to get my bag to the next checkpoint and who's going to take it and when it's going to leave and when I'm going to arrive and when I can expect it to be there. And, um, and all this happened in, like, 30 minutes. Yep. And so – we hit the bus, man. I I think I think I got everything. I have no idea. I'm super like anxious. We got on the bus. We go to I think uh, Porto Natalis that night, maybe something like that. And then we hit this. We hit the trailhead the next morning, and we hiked a day, spent the night, and then the next day we were on the glacier. And as I got my crampons out of the out of my pack, I tore the tag off for the first time. <laughs> I was going to say, did you leave the tag on it? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I had them in the in the little camp bag, you know, yeah. that comes, and not the store bag, but the little case. Yeah. And when I pulled them out of the case, they had still had a little tag on it. So I had to uh, rip that off, and uh, I put those on. And, like, as I was, you know, one left foot, right foot onto the glacier, as soon as I – and Tony helped me tie them. <laughs> I mean, I felt like a child. Um, and we take a few steps onto the ice and, uh, we kind of get up over this little crest and Tony looks back at me and says, Hey, this is way worse than I expected. Um, so do not fall, 
you know. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And he said, no, seriously, if you fall, you'll die. We have no way to save you if you fall and start sliding. Yeah. And I kind of laughed. I remember chuckling a bit because I thought he was just being overdramatic, you know. But his expression didn't change. Oh. And I knew he was serious. And I kind of had that, like, you know that shaggy from Scooby-Doo gulp? You know, that gulp? Ooh. That big guy. Yeah. Like, I'd always wondered why the hell people do that. Like, <laughs> I never had done that before, you know. But, you know, I did just naturally in that moment. And I guess you swallow reality. I have no idea. But I was like, I remember kind of gulping and going, oh, shit, okay. And, uh, I, and my biggest fear was not for my safety necessarily, but that I would be that guy, they'd have to like medevac out, okay. you know, like yeah. I'd be that, like I'd slow everybody down. And, uh, you know, I just didn't want to be a hindrance on the process at all. I was very concerned about that, no. but yeah. I just left, right, left, right. And I got used to it fairly quick. I think I got a little comfortable, uh, a little too comfortable and a little too cocky. And, uh, we were walking along this fin um, this is a few hours into it, and I'd already ha- I already had blisters, like massively bad blisters. We tried to duct tape, and it didn't work, and uh, and it was just because the crampons kept pulling my shoe off okay. in the back, and yeah. it, so it's just a constant rake, <laughs> and extremely uncomfortable. But we're walking on this fin, and I kind of got I don't know if I got off balance or what, but my ankle started to roll, so I tried to like skip jump to my right foot real quick you know when you do that yep and i just didn't account for that extra like inch and a half or two inches of metal cleat under my feet so i kind of might stubbed my step there and i just started going forward and i remember tony told me the only way to arrest yourself in a fall that we had going for us was to get on our stomachs and then you know try to jam our trekking poles into ice we didn't have any harnesses or ice axes yeah. or ropes, ropes or screws i think we had one I screw between four of us. Wow. Uh, zero harnesses that I, re- that I remember. I don't think anybody had a harness. Um, but you'd have to be wearing anyway, you know? Yeah. You fell. Yeah. Uh, so in that moment, I started to fall, and I remember I, not, I, I, I decided to, like, leap forward, you know, and try to jam my poles into the ice, which I did. But I also had uh, my Canon camera on my shoulder or my chest harness that I think you've seen me use yep. before on my chest and I so I landed on that forgetting again that I had another like six or eight inches in front of me to to, to you know yeah. to brace and I come crashing down and uh it cracked my rib you know right up under my sternum and took the breath out of me <laughs> and I, like and they all looked at me like holy crap dude <laughs> you just got away with something uh but after that I was I had zero problems on the glacier I was I I turned out to be decently strong um you know a hiker on the glacier truck around the glacier and especially the next day i you know i could essentially jog run flat out run if if necessary on the flat points and so but you know i just was extremely uncomfortable at first and uh, and then i had this cracked rib and blisters to contend with yeah because your foot was still all your blister was still kind of bad in in uh July, I remember yeah. showing it. it yeah, was still the off. skin was kind of new still. Yeah, because, uh, well, I don't think what people realize is what, yeah, I mean, you have these terror, you know, well, racers know, but it was, what, five, six days before you could even think about doing anything with it, right? Yeah, well, what made it worse is I burned it, man. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> so, so God, it, like, it was just this 
stupid thing. But all right, so we we got to checkpoint one, and I, we were told there was going to be some food at checkpoint one because uh, that was they were biking. The racers would start the day two days after we got we started on our journey, right? Yeah. Um, and at checkpoint one, they would encounter food. Or, sorry, the checkpoint crew had food there or something. Yeah. And they didn't. Tony Tony is a minimalist, like hardcore minimalist. He this dude travels as light as I've seen anyone travel. Yeah. So he just brings like a few bars, I think, and maybe some gels and I don't even know if he had any candy for crying out loud. Yeah. Um so I don't know how you leave anywhere without gummy bears or go anywhere without gummy bears. So yeah. Paul, that's like <laughs> Swedish Swedish fish and jelly oh, that's, beans. That, dude, that's my favorite. Oh yeah? That's my favorite candy. Top number one. That's oh, cool. <laughs> um, so we he, there was no food there. Uh oh. I think my dog heard your dog. <laughs> Are they here? Oh, they're hearing they're hearing each other. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Jackson. So so sorry about that. And we put the we put the F in professional. Uh, sure. <laughs> Well, anyway, we we didn't have much food. I I packed three days for me, uh, and I was like Tony, you know, we can share this. Hopefully, when we get to the next checkpoint, because I knew there was there was a crew out there that had been there for a few days that probably would have some food, because uh, they usually transport these big barrels out there of like pate and crackers and, and chocolate and all this good stuff. So we start on our journey with three days of food between us, which made it a day and a half. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Jack, um, so uh, we were sharing food, and we were out there. We got to the checkpoint. You know, this is post-fall post, post uh, fall on the ice, and uh, we got to the checkpoint, and th- th- there was no food. Yeah. Uh, so we were like, crap. So we had to ration it even further, and uh, that next day is when everybody came through on the on the the, te- the racers came through and we didn't eat much that day. I don't, I think we split a bag of soup. Um, Alex Buise came in with uh, NorCal and uh, Red Fox uh-huh. that day, and so he had a little bit of food on him, but not much. He's a lot like Randy in the minimal way. Like these dudes are are tough. Like I have needs. <laughs> My needs are I've got to be pretty well hydrated and I need some food when I'm going that hard. Like I can't. I just won't work. Yeah. So, so we we didn't have much food, and then we got to. Uh, <laughs> my dog here's your dog. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go put Tucker outside. So we'll just just wait a no, minute. I'll, I'll be right back. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Yeah, I'm, my mom left and she's like, put the dogs away when you're done. And like, so the cocker spaniel's up there barking and they're outside now. <laughs> Mine is too, but he's not too far away from my window. So he can see oh. you. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you're out of food. <laughs> yeah, we, we run out of food and. Uh, that hike out the, the following day, was, there was a massive, not massive, I mean, there was a pretty intense uh, storm that night. 
uh, with some ice. And uh, we, Alex and I got kind of stuck on the wrong side of this huge crevasse of ice, this big canyon, yeah. uh, with Team NorCal. And we tried for, we could see where the checkpoint was, and we tried for, I don't know, two hours maybe or an hour and a half to try to find a spot to cross it. And we finally did, and we had to jump this big, I guess you call it a Mulan, this little ice river, you know, flowing swiftly down the middle of this canyon. And uh, we all jumped that. And that was uh, one of the most exciting things I think I've ever done. <laughs> I was really uh, proud of that. And so then we finally made it up. We get to the checkpoint. They head on. And our plan was to head back to where we had originally started at this ranger station um, near a trailhead. Mm-hmm. And we were going to leapfrog and catch back up to them, right? Yeah. So we hike out that next day and we find a few teams, two or three teams, like a Chilean team or two. And then uh, Team Four Continents, they spent the night on the glacier in that storm, um, like eight people, I think. They, were, they had eight people in like a four-man tent or something. And uh, so we hiked out with them, and that was, a slow, that was a slow hike out. And by the time we got, to, we got off the ice and we crossed this little range, um, we got to camp around eight or nine that evening and I hadn't had much to eat all day except for some energy chews and uh Taz Laurie threw me a um a mountain house bag a huge one enormous yeah. <laughs> um that Alex and I were going to share it was like chicken and rice or something like that onions and rice I don't remember um and so I started up the jet boil the bag was a little bit it said for trade show use only so I it looked like he had it for a little while um <laughs> But uh, I was very thankful to have it. I remember trying to set up the tent and just kind of being a little bit delirious, you know, like just being wanting to just fall over. Uh, and got the tent set up. I'm sitting kind of half in the tent, half out. It's raining. I got my jet boil going and um, water's boiling. I pour the water in the bag. I zip it up and the bag ruptures. So it falls directly onto my ankle. I'm kind of sitting like half Indian style Mm -hmm. and uh, I've got my Crocs on and it falls into my ankle and just scorches it, you know? So I pull my sock off and the skin comes off with it. (laughs) And so I soaked it in the, in the river for a little while and Tony made me do it. Um, he was really looking out for me that night. I don't take so good care of myself. You know, I'm like, eh, you know, rub some dirt in and it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, um, you're, you're a baseball player. Yeah, it's no, it's no big. It wasn't that painful, honestly. Um, it hurt initially, um, and I probably cussed a bit. And but then the pain was kind of gone. I, I I took some type of painkiller <laughs> from somewhere <laughs> and uh, slept okay. Woke up and we started the hike back out, and it was a pretty big one back out. But luckily, we we were going to intersect some trails uh, about halfway through. And so I got, I got to hike on trails like most of the day, yeah. which is uncommon. Yeah, that's so, like being on a freeway. Yes, exactly. Uh, so that was pretty good. I set my watch so that I could maintain a certain speed. I had to get to this place by 4 p.m. in order to catch a bus. And um, I set my watch to, to, to track my speed. Yeah. Uh, so I, I knew I needed to move at, at a certain rate. And I didn't have much trouble moving at first. Um, Tony wrapped it up pretty good. There's a picture that Alex shot. It's on Facebook uh, of Tony doing that for me. 
and we uh we started hiking and I was moving really, really well. And then I got, I guess like some tendonitis or something from kind of being on my toes too much. And that got to be, that was where the pain was, was yeah. like in the, the structure of my, of my foot and, and uh, lower leg rather than my, the skin, you know, that was, that was, there was no issue there. Um, <clears throat> but then we had to like hitchhike. We, <laughs> it was crazy. The bus didn't come or wasn't going to come until like real late that night. And we, we needed to get to another spot. So we ended up uh, like paying to jump on this other, uh, groups transportation. And I, I don't remember how it, but anyway, we made it back to Porter and Dallas that night. And, uh, we stayed in the hotel and the hotel didn't have, like our shower was messed up or something. So we had to break into the room next door to take showers. And, um, I was trying to get all this crap off my ankle and it started to kind of turn nasty. Yeah. Um, by the next day it looked like a cheese pizza, a really attractive thought. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, I got a bus back to Punta Arenas and then went to the Naval hospital there and they just kind of like spoke in Spanish to each other and shook their head at me. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, poured some water on it and gave me some ointment, and that was that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it. It's. I don't want to say that covering the race is as hard as racing, but it does no, sort definitely. of. It, it does sort of present its own challenges. Um, you know, trying to get ahead sometimes, and and. Uh, yeah. You know, especially down in Patagonia. I mean, all the stories Paulette's told and from other people and stuff. It's just. For one thing, you don't have the the race organization to help you. At least, I mean, the racers have, you know, have that sort of in place. Yeah. And and you're down there just kind of freelancing and trying to figure out how to get somewhere. And um, in its own way, it's a pretty cool adventure. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I like to problem solve. That's yeah. Like probably one of my favorite things about photography in general is is solving problems. I mean, it's about light and composition and all that cool artsy stuff. But for me, it's, it's outsmarting, outsmarting my camera or the subject or the environment, you know, like putting my mind into the game. And that's, yeah, I like that. And then again, you know, the physical nature of, of, of photography is really appealing too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And again, that's why I do what I do with, with adventure racing. And, um, I wish, I wish there was a ton of money in it, man, because <laughs> doesn't everybody that's all I would do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but well, so would yeah. else too. So that's what kind of keeps us a bit obscure in that genre, which is nice. Well, that's true. I mean it, it you know, if, if everybody did it then we wouldn't know everybody. Yeah. And, and to me that's still the best part is going is is going to the race and and knowing Knowing everybody that's there, yeah, a good chunk yeah. of them, and and meeting right. the new people, and and you know, I I think the other thing that I really like is trying to figure out how to get get somewhere that the average that the well, like at Cowboy Tough, you know, there's I mean they had really great coverage from the local media, yeah. but it was TA coverage, mm-hmm. you know, I and whereas me and you were out, you know trying to find someplace interesting yeah to to get that that different view and different story so yeah the story is important definitely for me and um i like i love the outdoors but i'm not a nature photographer you know i don't really get excited about photographing um 
landscapes. You know, I love to shoot landscapes, I guess, but I have to have people in them, you know, if and not just for perspective or scale, but I like that human versus nature versus self uh, and nature. Um, it's like, it's like the adventure racer is against, it's like two on one, you know, like he's the one and then the other two are himself and or herself and the environment. Yeah. No, uh, and I, I like that the play between um, those two, like very natural things. Um, so, I, it, if there's not a human in my shot, I really don't like to, really don't engage it. Yeah, that's something. And yeah, this sounds kind of weird, but that my mother taught me. It's like, why go? To, why go somewhere and take a picture of the scenery and not have a person in it? I mean, yeah. it, and, and it's basic basic tenant that's that's yeah why i mean the scenery could be anywhere you need that person in it and in what they're involved with to make it make it anything special to me mm-hmm. yeah same here so i mean other you know i don't know i i guess probably you know i'm i i wouldn't even begin to put myself as a photographer like you do because it's kind of like back up to the video but um Sometimes trying to find that really interesting view or something different. It's finding something different in nature to take a picture of. The, not the silhouetted tree that a zillion people have taken pictures of, but and I do a lot of that because I'm, you know, if I'm out hiking with my, you know, just with chili or something, it's like, well, let's take, let's find something to do. Yeah. Just kind, just kind of as an exercise. So. Right. Yeah. At that point, for me, it becomes. Um, a representation of the experience of my day. Ah, that's you know, yeah. uh, and which is important. And I like I, I love to share with my son. So if I see something cool, I'll shoot it. Yeah, uh, but not like in a w- wait for the sunrise, you know, in the perfect moment to capture the landscape and its most extreme beauty. I like to do that type of thing. Yeah. but as it relates to um, some expedition or a, a human endeavor, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I like to record, I like to record memories for my son and it's to hopefully inspire him to go seek out his own adventures. You know, I want, I want to plant that seed where he, uh, he's inquisitive about it and like, well, why is it that there and how did that happen? And, you know, so we look up stuff about dams and, you know, just, it just natural disasters or, uh, earthquakes and uh tecton- plate tectonics and you know it's all this stuff and we so we, we end up having these really random conversations that you just you usually don't talk about outside of like a classroom you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah makes sense yeah. um you went to nepal last year too didn't you yeah yeah i saw that was... saw a few pictures but i didn't haven't heard much about it how was that it was outstanding i my role there was as a as a uh, filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So I shot most, I shot motion. And I, so the stills that you've seen were the very few that I recorded. Yeah. Um, but I have a good friend, uh, named Dave Zurich, who is a, uh, tr- traditional media, large format photographer. So he shoots, um, black and white sheet film oh, with a speed, oh. speed graphic camera. And he's been doing it for a long time, but he's a, he's a geographer and he is a professor at EKU. He's one of the most interesting people I've ever been around. Um, and when I found out he was a photographer years ago, 
I just would not stop. I wouldn't stop bothering him, you know, <laughs> and that he, he's an expert on the Himalaya um, and uh, that entire region, Tibet, Nepal, Bhutan, um, all, all those uh, areas, and, which is extremely cool to me. And so I would always just try to like, I'd run into him on campus and I'd stop him for like 10 minutes, you know, in between classes and he'd <laughs> have to like rush through the conversation by the end of it. But, you know, I was like, Hey man, you know, uh, you, you should have me come along sometime and like shoot you doing what you do. Yeah. And, uh, so I'd said that a few times and he was kind of like, yeah, that'd be nice. Well, then I got some international expedition stuff under my belt. And I showed him some of those images and talked about some of the things that I'd done. And I think he finally got comfortable with me uh, traveling in the capacity that he does. Yeah. Uh, so we were having a conversation uh, at breakfast one morning and kind of asking what was going on, what was new. And he told me that he had another trip planned. And I was like, well, you know what I'm about to say to you. And, uh, <laughs> and so I sent him an email later that day and, and, and sent him some links to some videos of, of – uh, other photographers that kind of had their process documented. And I was like, I could do this for you. Uh, so then he liked it. We got together, we discussed a, like a bigger concept. Um, and we, we came up with this film idea. Then we hooked up with, uh, the India China Institute out of the new school in, uh, New York. Um, and they kind of got us into a lot of places. They got us into Tibet, you know, kind of in a study capacity, uh, outstanding people there. I met some really good people. Uh, we, in Nepal, we had some really good hookups. And so basically what we were doing is trying to um, show the relationship between, again, human and nature and religion and how all these things kind of exist um, in harmony and how they've created uh, the past, present, and future of, of different peoples of this region. So we have kind of a series planned to do this, and we call ourselves the Picture Pilgrims. Um, so our first, our first shoot was of uh, Mount Kailash, which is a, a, a huge pilgrimage site for uh, Hindus and uh, Buddhists, uh, but also some local religion, Jains and Bonds, um, and probably some others that I'm not even aware of. But it's, it's this huge site of pilgrimage, and, and uh, these Tibetan Buddhists or all Buddhists in general and Hindus will come and make this pilgrimage. I think they're like required to do this uh, at some point in their lifetime. And so we did this pilgrimage with them and kind of shot them and interviewed them and talked about, you know, how it, it relates to their lifestyles and uh, the, uh, the connection between uh, it's like the metaphysical and the physical, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's it's definitely a scholarly thing. You know, it's not going to be a blockbuster, but people who are inter in interested in those religions and uh, in those regions from a, a study, you know, uh, an educational kind of study standpoint, I think will find that this intriguing. Yeah. Um, and the, the whole connection between water and civilizations and uh, how, you know, it's the the. Um, the water that comes off the glaciers around this mountain, it feeds, you know, all these nations. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it, but it was outstanding. And I spent, I spent a little over a month away and half in Nepal and half in Tibet and, and made some great friends again. And, um, it was just a beautiful experience. And, uh, Nepal was, man, I love that place. So the people there are, um, 
just so sweet. You know, it's that's weird to weird word to use maybe to describe people, but like they, if you just think of a person that you would describe as sweet, yeah. you know, that's you know every um, Nepali that I encountered, and uh, so I, I've I met some people just on hikes through, um, you know, around in the in the the higher points on my own i ran into a military encampment and became facebook friends with this guy in the military there <laughs> like right there on the spot cool um i met a i met a christian which is not a super popular religion there obviously but it's growing um and we i'm a christian and so we had some conversation and tea and i met him on a tour of the city and uh we're facebook friends now and we communicate you know almost daily um just about what he's going through. He's going. He's uh, he's in seminary of sorts over there, and he's leading a, a church of like 200 people. Wow. Um, and it, so, and it was just this random, by chance, we ran into each other. You know, uh, my guide through a city was like, "Hey, I got this friend you should meet," and uh, I was like, "Okay, cool." And so this dude pulls up on a motorcycle. He's got his helmet on. He's like, why don't you come to my apartment? Uh, we'll have some tea. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm thinking, is this a good idea? Should I, should I, not, should I not do this? But, you know, yeah. it was all fine, and we had a great conversation. He has a really cool story. Yeah. yeah. Wow, it sounds like a great trip. I know it was it was a little hectic for you there, but uh, yeah, it sounds like it was a good thing that you went. Yeah, yeah, and I got to experience uh, decently high altitude. We were under just under nineteen thousand feet, um, and I did fine. I ate ibuprofen like it was candy, uh, yeah. but more as a um, precautionary sort of thing. I, I had kind of a constant headache for a few days, but that was that's normal. Before. That's the worst it got, yeah. man. It I it I was really pleasantly surprised. I figured I would be like. I'd have this propensity toward altitude sickness. You know what I mean? Like I was like, dude, I'm going to be the worst high altitude person ever. I just don't know how it's going to work out. I was really nervous about that too, but it was all fine. And I don't know if this is, maybe somebody can comment on the podcast. I haven't really looked into this, but I, I did see it at one source. Um, I have asthma, not super severe, but um, you know, I deal with it daily. And I read somewhere that some asthmatics do do well at high altitude because we are constantly kind of fighting for oxygen in our oh, blood, yeah. you know, like we're, so our red blood cell count may be a little bit more elevated than the, than the normal. I, I don't know. Huh. I just read this in one spot I'll and ask, I can't remember where that was. So I'll have to ask Paulette. She should, she probably, yeah, know I don't that. know if that's a thing or not, you know, but, um, I, I just didn't struggle at all. Huh. You know, it wasn't so, and there were some people in our party that turned back at, um, I think one turned back around, or a couple turned back around fifteen thousand. Yeah, yeah, that was good. So, um, so I know we'll get we'll start to wrap this up a little bit because we've been having a good time. But so you're going to be at Cowboy Tough with me. Yeah. See, as I see how I call it my race now, but <laughs> yeah. So that should be a good time. Anything else? Any other races you plan on going to? Not really. And Natalie and I are getting married this summer, yeah. June into June. Um, so I'm not sure when we'll be able to get to anything bef- before then. Natalie and I have been together for <laughs> over eight years, um, and probably nine. And uh, we uh, we have a seven year old son, but we're we're finally going to tie the knot yeah. this June. Yeah. Uh, but I was looking at Expedition Africa. I'd love to get there, but that's too. I think that's just too close. 
And then I'm still looking at Untamed. I'd really love to do that, but that's like the weekend before, yeah. the week before. So, I, you know, knowing me, I'd break my arm or leg or something, and I'd be standing at the altar on crutches. Yeah, but it makes a better story that way. It does make a better story. <laughs> I'm full of those. So, all right. Well, um, the only thing I want to say before we get all done is, Anytime, if you're racing and you see Chris, he's out there with his camera, make, <laughs> make sure you give him a big thumbs up. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> that was that. I think that was another thing we connected on. Yeah, uh, we there's there are there are times when a well placed thumbs up is good. Yeah, I like it when like you're bleeding. Yeah, from the face or like your foot is rotting off or you know like the ironic thumbs up. Yeah, but. Yeah. Um, if you are suffering in this uphill climb on your bike, uh, I kind of want to see the suffer. Like, don't put, don't like smile for me. You know, like, pe- like sometimes people will hold their breath so they look tougher. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, maybe I'm being too critical. Maybe that's part of the story, and so that people need to do that, or perform <laughs> however they need to. But um, I prefer just to see your pain. <laughs> well, exactly. So. I don't mean that to sound. Uh, mean or or whatever and i i know that that uh the racers are really going through some extreme emotional and mental physical discomfort you know at the times that i encounter them um so i just don't want them to put on a show for me or or throw me the thumbs up especially the the double thumbs up yeah and you know it takes away from the impact of the image i think sometimes yeah um just just leave the double thumbs up to me I'll, yeah, I'll give, I'll <laughs> yes. give them plenty. <laughs> every yeah, every time I post anything, I get a double thumbs up from Randy. That's yeah. our that's our inside joke. Little, little so little I, little. I don't mean that to sound I don't know. No, but it it is it's, appreciative, or, but yeah. Well, you'll get a lot of ironic ones now. So yeah, I know it. That's probably I just probably made it worse on myself, didn't I? No, I made it worse because I. <laughs> it, you know, and the last thing is, um, you weren't there at the finish, but of the race, but you know they they had the big screen up with it, you know basically all your images playing uh-huh. and probably my favorite picture that I haven't taken is where I was laying in the water at devil's notch. Yeah. All spread out. So that was, they put that into rotation. So I have to get, do you not have that? I need to get that to you. Yeah. I don't think I do. That I, was ha- a, I have a picture of the picture, but <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a good moment, man. That, that little section was, was cool. And it was, it was a grueling, section two for the athletes yeah and, it was hot. Uh, hot and dry man yeah um and that was cool and there were snakes in that water and randy's laying that laying down in them i don't i'm not a, i don't have a fear of snakes like in the phobia sense but i don't love them you know like i <laughs> well that was they make me feel a little bit funny so it was so freaky i had never seen it the snake was eating a fish yeah i mean it was just like you know a little garter snake a couple foot long but yeah it wasn't venomous it's swallowing the fish, and it's like, man, I've never seen anything like that. So I figured he probably wasn't going to be able to swallow me if he came. <laughs> I just see, I didn't want to give him an opportunity to like get a toe down or something. Yeah, it sounds good. So, all right, well, let's we'll wrap this up. I haven't come, like I keep saying, I haven't come up with a phrase. Although I'm thinking about um, go find another checkpoint for the end of the end of the show, but we haven't we haven't got there yet yet. So. Um, We'll just we'll say goodbye. I got a couple. Of, I'll stop recording, and then I got a couple of couple of technical things that everybody doesn't have to listen to. So, all right. So I will. I'll say go find another checkpoint. Thanks for listening, and we'll see if if we use this. Um, 
send me links to to anything you want. You know, I can put on I can put on the on the show notes. Okay. So you know, like for you know your website, you know some pictures maybe from some of the different races, something like that. So. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to put this will go up on goes up Saturday night, so it's it's available on Sunday. So. Um, and uh, it's been fun. Yeah, man. I've, it's been good to talk to you. Yeah. I was worried we would have trouble talking for an hour, but I I forgot that I'm extremely long winded. So <laughs> no, I it, I think it's going to be. I I really it's. I think it's a good one. I mean, quite honestly, I don't think any of them have been bad yet because it's people are interesting. I mean, everybody has their their different story and and uh, you know. So I we'll we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll I'll talk to you later. All right, man. All right, off to work. All right, thanks. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Thanks. Thank you. Oh,
Thank you. 